Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. Hey, we're concluding our series called Faith Works. And James is really reading our mail. Matter of fact, you could be a person that lives to 117 and serve Christ and still read this and go, man, I've got miles and miles of of, of way to go because I'm not where I want to be in the Lord yet. I'm just not there. You know, in this series, he talked to us about the fact that we need to consider trials as joyful, not because of the trial, but because of what it's producing in us. He talked to us about how we shouldn't judge people or show favoritism. He talked to us about what we do with our little mouth, how we get in trouble, or actually our big fat mouth. It's just however you want to say it. That this little mouth is like a spark or a flame that could set a whole forest on fire. It's like a bit and a bridle that can move a big, powerful horse or a small rudder that can turn a mighty ship. We talked about being drawn away by our own lusts and our own desires. If you were here that day, I had my ducks out here on the platform and, uh, and we talked about being pulled away and drawn away to the decoys of our lusts and our desires. We talked about pursuing wisdom. We talked about pursuing godliness. We talked about living and walking in humility. We even talked about the fact that we shouldn't just listen to the Word of God. We should do what it says. And last week, we talked about something that we were all excited about, patience. How we should be patient. Yeah. How did that work for you this week? Good, one person said. Yeah. Good. I'm patient for the rest of you to respond. But anyway... But here's what I think James would say if he was standing here today. He would say, and it's the first fill in on your notes, the Christian life is about progress, not perfection. And isn't that good news? Because this side of heaven, no one's perfect. And if we think we're perfect, then we just made a mistake and now we've become, well, we're not perfect any longer. So I love what he says in James chapter 5. He's going to talk about an invitation to prayer. And he says these words, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Now, you don't need to respond, but you could quietly in your heart go, yeah, I've got some trouble going on in my life. Well, here's the answer that we should pray. And then he goes on to say in James 5, 13 and 14, is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of of the Lord. Now, some people feel skeptical or cynical about prayer. Maybe you prayed and you didn't get the answer you wanted. Maybe you haven't prayed in a long time. Maybe, as I alluded to with the parents, the only time you pray is over the food. But I believe that we need to be people of prayer. It needs to be an ongoing conversation with the Lord throughout the day. Or maybe you have dealt with a family member who had an illness, and you thought, well, why why weren't they healed? And yet in this chapter, he talks about healing that comes. Well, let me start by sharing a story in Luke 11. And uh, we won't turn our Bibles there, but I just want to kind of remind you of this story. The disciples are watching Jesus pray. Now, some people make a joke. They say, well, you know, if you had to lead those disciples... You would get away early in the morning and pray because the last thing you want to do is spend all your time with those misfit disciples. 
And sometimes they would say, well, you know, Jesus went away to pray to just show us that we should pray too. But Jesus is praying for the depth of his soul because after all, he's very much God and very much man and he's facing all kinds of emotional drain and all kinds of physical drain and he knows that not long from these times where he's praying, he's going to go to the cross and give his life as a ransom or as an anointing or a sacrifice for all of us. And so one particular time in Luke 11, the disciples, after he has prayed, they ask him, would you teach us to do that? Now, I find that fascinating, and maybe you will too when I explain why I find it fascinating, because they watch Jesus turn water into wine. Some of you go, I wish I could do that. They, they watch Jesus raise the dead. They watch Jesus heal the sick. They watch Jesus calm the storm. And they never ask him, teach us how to do that. They say, teach us how to pray. And it's the only request that the disciples make that is clearly quoted in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And when he had finished... One of the disciples says, Lord, show us how to do what you do. Now, they could have said, "Um, Lord, there's a lot of people following after you. We want to ride the momentum. We want to market you well. We want to make sure we don't lose our market share. So, so Lord, stop going away in the wilderness to pray. We, We need you out front. But they don't say that. They say, Lord, we want to learn how to do what it is that you do. We need to take advantage of that, they said. Lord, teach us to learn the power of prayer. Teach us to learn the importance of prayer. Now remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And growing up in the same household, they would have seen him pray. James would have watched him pray So he gives us, I believe, five incredible things to consider when it comes to prayer. And the first one is this, start where you are. If anyone's sick among you, do what? Pray. If anyone's troubled, pray. If anyone's happy, sing songs to God, (laughs) worship him. But start where you are. It doesn't say get your act together and then come to God. It says, no, no. Are you troubled? That makes you a candidate for prayer. Are you distressed is the Greek word. Is your heart uh, at, you know, ill at ease? Are, are you not able to, to, to rest inside your soul? Are you troubled? Is there a storm going on in your, your heart? Then we should pray. See, prayer is an authentic interaction with God about whatever is going on in my life. I don't have to get my act together to come. I don't have to clean myself up to come. I just come to God and say, here I am, Lord. And I love this line, authentic interaction. In other words, God can handle what you're feeling. Now, have you ever been around people who all of a sudden go King James on you when they pray? Lord, I beseech thee, O God. Thou wast our mightest goddeth. Uh, come on. I've been around people like that, you know. Lord, in your divine concupiscence, might you come 
and touch my soul with the propitiation that thou have provided through Jesus Christ, our anointed Savior. And I mean, it sounds like they're trying to be, uh, well, they're trying to take the role of Braveheart. <laughs> they can take our lives. Come on, the old movie. But they can't take our freedom. Freedom. No, just, Lord, today stinks. I'm not happy, God, with how this is going. Lord, as you hold your, your, your hands with your spouse, if you're married, Lord, we're just having a rough time. We invite you into our conversations. We invite you into our house. God, we are desperate for you. If anyone is troubled, distressed, ill at ease, let them come and pray and just be authentic and real. I think God gets tired of people who come with religious prayers. Sorry. Or some poem they found on the internet. Come to God with your heart. Oh, sure, find a scripture that fits what you're doing and, and tell the Lord about it. Look, Lord, what it says here about your problem. But just tell God the way it is. God, I am concerned about my finances. I have more month than I have money left. Come on. Lord, I need you to help me. God, I come and I don't like what's, I mean, just to be real and to be who you are. Now, you might say, well, okay, pastor, move on. But listen, God welcomes you to be who you are, where you are. Prayer is something that happens in the depth of your soul. Your, your soul is always speaking. Your soul is always longing. Your soul is always needing. And that's why when we come to God, we should just bear whatever is in our soul to him. It may be we're having the best day we've ever had. Lord, thank you for this day. Is anyone joyful? Let them come with songs of praise. God, I thank you. You lift me up. Come on. I thank you, Lord. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Blessed assurance, you are mine. That is why Jesus would get away to a quiet place and pray and bear his soul to the Lord. Um, if we had time today, there's lots of theologians who wrote about this. This conversation that's happening in our spirit all the time to God. And all we're doing is now taking it and articulating what it is to the Lord himself. The second thing I want you to see is our prayers are received by God. Are received by God. God is listening to us. You ever wake up in the morning and just go, Lord, I, I give you this, this day. You've given it to me. And, and, and then you just realize that the God of the universe just heard you talk. I'm going to stop for a moment and go, are you kidding me? With all the sounds in the universe, with all the sounds just from planet Earth itself, with all the people who are talking to God and crying out to God, with all the people who are on their cell phones, I mean, every sound is uttered. God hears every sound, every bird in flight, the waves that bash against the shoreline. God hears the glaciers as they fall into the ocean. And then we come and say, uh, Father, yes? Does that move you? That the God who created all that there is cares about what you have to say? I'm sorry, man. I just think that's amazing. By the way, the God of the universe is listening to me preach to you this morning. I better do a better job. <laughs> Richard Foster says, in real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, prayer moves us towards seeing things from God's point of view. 
That's why when he goes on to say in James 5, 15 and 16, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person what? Well, and the Lord will raise them, and the prayer of the righteous person is powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Somebody says, Pastor Bernie, um, I like this verse. I believe this verse, but then why did my friend get cancer? Or why did my grandson, dear lady from our church, why did my grandson get leukemia and die before he was 10? Why? Now, if you've never asked the why question, you just haven't lived long enough. Because the older you get, the more reasons you'll have for the whys in it all. I love what Alistair Alistair, uh, McGrath wrote in his book called The Mystery of the Cross. He said, experience cannot be allowed to have the final word for the Christian. It must be judged and shown up as deceptive and misleading experience. The theology of the cross draws our attention to the sheer unreliability of experience as a guide to the presence and activity of God. God is active and present in this world quite independently of whether we experience him as being so. Experience declared that God was absent from Calvary's cross, only to have its verdict overturned on the third day. If you would have gone to the cross, McGrath says, You would have seen Jesus, who said he was God, who told people he was the way, the truth, and the life. You would have seen him dying, and your experience would have told you there is no God. Or if there is a God, why is he absent from this scene? But the resurrection shows you that God was actively involved in every aspect of Jesus' life, and every promise that Jesus made was true and came to pass. McGrath goes on and says, As with the cross, our darkest hour may be God's finest moment. It may be there that he does his greatest work, albeit unseen to us. Thus, instead of letting circumstances consume us, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Americans. Instead of letting circumstances consume us, we are to be consumed by God, by his word, by his will, by the truth. And to that end, we pray without ceasing, we, ceasing, we trust in his sovereignty, and we find comfort in his hope. I will say this till my last breath. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now. Whatever the this is for you, it's not all about this. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. No, 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 no. excuse me. It's not all about this, and it's not all about now. If all we do is focus on the this and the now and forget the big perspective of God, we will miss the best that God has for us. But James 5 says the prayer of faith will make the sick person well and will raise them up. And someone says, well, I prayed for my friend, and they didn't get better. And my answer will be, I don't know why. 
Lots of people want to throw their hat in the arena of opinion and say, this is why this person got cancer and this one didn't. This is why this person died and that one didn't. And I'm smart enough to know this, that I'm smart enough not to know. I just don't know. And you can throw your hat in the arena of opinion and say, I, I, I think this is why and I think that is why. But here's a promise we have from Psalm 66, verse 19. And I want to read it with our best 1011 voice. Here we go. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Blessed be, he didn't turn a deaf ear. He stayed with me, loyal in his love. And our prayers, number three, can change what is before us. Prayer does heal the sick. I've seen it work. I know it to be true. Several years ago, we, we prayed for a young gal in this little room right here, little prayer room. Her lungs were filled with cancer. She didn't smoke. Her parents didn't smoke. Grandpa didn't smoke. Nobody smoked. The doctor said, your lungs look like a 68-year-old smoker. She was, I think, 10 or 11. And she had a dream in the night. And her dream was James 5. If any sick among you, let him call for the elders and let him pray. Now, elder does not mean old people, though it can be. Elders means people that are mature in the faith, people that believe, people that understand the power of God's word and the power of praying over somebody in Jesus' name and with oil. And so she had a dream. Here's the dream. Some of you have heard me tell the story before. The dream was that Pastor Bernie and some of the elders of the church would lay hands on her and anoint her with lots of oil, not just not lots of oil, and that she would be healed. Could you imagine my feeling when she ran up to me after third service? Said, Pastor, I want to tell you about my dream. I thought, oh God, please. If ever you showed up, this would be a perfect time. And Pastor Bernie, you were in the dream and you were the one doing the praying and the anointing. And some of the elders were, and people were walking out the door. Service was over. People wanted to go have tuna fish sandwich. Come on. And I, hey, hey. And I got anybody I thought that had a modicum of faith. <laughs> and we came and laid hands on her. Her parents did the same. And uh, I fast forward the, the tape. They, they found no traces of cancer and damage. They took x-ray after x-ray because I'm, I'm smart. I, you better go to the doc. She goes, I don't need to. I know I'm healed. Well, just go for me, will you? <laughs> and she did. And they took x-ray, x-ray, x-ray. She was like 10 or 11. Then I got her um, high school graduation invitation. Her family was in the military. They moved back to Arkansas. I got an invitation for graduation. And then I got an invitation for a wedding. Then I got a, a birth announcement for her first child being born. Last I hear, she's doing great. She's doing great. Ask me why that happened. You're going to say, well, because she had faith. Are you saying someone else didn't have faith for their child or for themselves? My answer is, I'm smart enough to know that I'm not smart enough to know. And I'm so glad that we didn't start a healing ministry here at the church. You know? Healing and deliverance, Foursquare Church. Every prayer is answered. Everybody gets well in Jesus' name. And you know how many people would be disappointed? 
But I am also here to tell you, a lot of my colleagues would have started a big old healing ministry. Do I believe in the power of healing? You betcha I do. Have I seen it work? Yep. I've seen people that come down to get prayed for by our, our own little prayer team here and get healed as well. I, I, I believe in it. I've also prayed for people, and I got sick. I prayed for one lady. She got worse. Her husband said, Pastor, don't, don't visit her anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But our prayers can change what's before us, whether healing comes or not. Why? Because James 5, 16 says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, it's doing something. Don't you dare not pray because somebody got sick. Don't you dare not pray because a loved one passed away. Don't you dare not pray because things aren't turning around, unchangeable circumstances. There's a power that becomes available through prayer that's only available through prayer. And sometimes God answers in ways we don't understand. So his name was Lazarus. He's a friend of Jesus, remember? And I love the King James that says, and he stinketh. Because he's dead. He's in a tomb and he's dead. And so Jesus calls his name and he comes out, you know. And uh, it's a great story. And then he serves the Lord. And down the line he gets sick again. And this time he doesn't get healed. But Jesus gives him a different kind of come forth. Not just from a tomb to a garden. He says, come forth from earth to heaven. Much like he tells his disciples in John 14, I, I prepare a place for you. And he makes this incredible call to him. It's almost like Lazarus says, oh, no, not again, you know. The miracle of Jesus rising Lazarus from the dead was not the main event. This is the problem for us when we think small. It's not the main event. See, redemption is the main event. Salvation is the main event. And forgiveness is the main event. And while I believe in healing, and I think James tells us that the, the prayer of, of a righteous person is effective and powerful, that we should pray for the sick, the biggest miracle is when someone believes in Jesus Christ and their eternity is changed. Because if you live to be 117, I mean, come on, that's a small little vapor like we talked about two weeks ago compared to all of eternity, millions and millions and millions of years. And when somebody gives their life to Jesus, well, it'd, be, it'd kind of be like this. After um, church today, we all go over to Starbucks Lynn Mortuary. We all go hang out there for a while. Knock on the front door and somebody comes out from the back, hello, you know, a couple hundred of us show up and say, we're here to sing this morning or this afternoon. Well, what do you want to sing? We lift us up. You lift us up. We want to go back in the cold storage room and see if anybody comes out of the, from, from the dead. I got to tell you something. If one of those guys, we're just going to call him Joe Schmaltz for lack of a name. Joe Schmaltz been dead for a few days or pending services. And we go in there and sing, you lift us up and the Lord shakes A Street, and all of a sudden Schmaltz comes out. He's no longer Schmaltz. He no longer stinketh. He comes out, and he says, hey, wow, I've been taking a nap. We would have KYT, KSBY, KCOY, come on. CNN would be making their way. I'm serious. Lompoc Record would be there. News Hawk. 
Santa Barbara Independent, they'd have a twist on it, no doubt. Fox, you know, come on. People be tweeting. And they would want to interview somebody. Probably me. Well, Pastor, you, you brought people over. What was your song? Uh, you lift us up. Well, what do you believe? James 5. Anybody sick among you? Schmaltz was really sick. Hey, isn't it interesting? No, just, just, just humor me for a moment. Isn't it interesting that somebody can come here on a Sunday and give their life to Jesus and go forward and get prayed for by the prayer team and get a yes packet? Their eternity has been changed forever, and it doesn't make the newspaper. Or a couple can walk in here on their way to divorce court and God does something in both of their hearts and miraculously changes them. Prayer is effective. And they say, we're going to surrender ourselves to Jesus and we're going to stop being selfish. And their marriage is saved because of the power of redemption and salvation and forgiveness. And KCOY don't even care. Now, I'm not poking anything at the media. I'm just saying that is headline news, folks. That's the stuff that we talk about. That's the stuff that we get to celebrate. Because in the big picture of things, that's what matters the most. Our prayers need to involve, number four, our confession. Prayer always involves confession. And this, this seems like it almost doesn't fit here. But yet he tells us to confess. Prayers involves bringing yourself to the table. See, there's two kinds of people in the world. There are people who are broken and sinners, and they know it, and there are people who are broken and sinners, and they admit it. Two kinds. I'm broken and I'm a sinner, and, and, and I know it, and I'm broken and I'm a sinner, and, and I'm, I admit it. Don't you weary of people who are self-proclaimed perfect people? Like everything about them is great. They're usually the most broken people we know. James 5.16 says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and, come on, and effective. Yeah. Now, I want to jump back quickly and say, why do some people get healed and some don't? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. But I do know that God challenges us to pray. And in that prayer, whether the situation changes or not, we get changed. That's what Soren Kierkegaard said. Prayer does not change God, but it changes him who prays. God is always active. Someone said once a, a few years ago, if you could pray the right scriptures with the right kind of faith, God would do what you ask. And I responded with, really? Do I have to remind God of his promises? See, when I quote promises in my prayer, I'm not reminding God, I'm reminding me. When I say the, the, the prayer of a righteous person is effective, God already knows that. Because God, by the Spirit, spoke that through James, so we would have it as a document. So when James says that, I don't need to remind, Lord, let me just remind you that when we're righteous, and because we confess our sins, you make us right. Because we're righteous, God, we're, my prayer is effective. I want to remind you, Lord. It was almost like we were sending mortar shells to heaven. If I could get the right verse, you know, he's able to do exceeding abundantly above, kaboom, all we ask or think. The Lord is my shepherd, pooh. 
Huh? Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me and I'll answer you, show you great and mighty things you don't want. Poo! If I could just get the right mortar to hit heaven, I could get what I want. The mortars aren't to shake up heaven. The mortars of Scripture are to shake me up, to believe and to trust and to understand that this is a great and mighty God in all things. But he tells us to confess. <laughs> Confession is good for the soul, but not always good for the reputation. Think about it, you'll think about it later. Dallas Willard says, confession alone makes deep fellowship possible, and the lack of it explains much of our superficial quality so commonly found in our church associations. I'm going to challenge you a little bit here, and, and some of you like challenge, others of you, uh, do you have somebody you trust that you can confess your shortcomings to? I think you should. Now, I was going to have you all turn to four people like I did earlier and, <laughs> and confess your sins, you know, not good, because by this afternoon, someone would put it on Facebook. I mean, it would be on Instagram, be a picture of you next to them. Guess what they shared with me? Yeah, right, right. Uh, by the way, if somebody shares their shortcomings to you or with you and asks you to pray with them. That is a powerful gift that you should cherish. By the way, do you, do you know I could retire tomorrow on blackmail? Hey! <laughs> Anything to confess? Come tell me, right? I could! But the violation of the trust when people share something with you, and he seems to say that confession brings our sin into the light and expose it for what it is, a rebellion against God. And one of the reasons in our notes uh, prayers don't feel like they're working is because we're not starting with what's wrong with us. Hmm. James says, you need to confess your sins one to another. And of course, the first one is God himself. God, I'm holding resentment against a person. God, I need to talk to you about how I feel about this person or this situation. Or, or God, I've been living in a, a pattern of dishonesty in my life, and I need to talk to you about it. See, prayer only works, according to James, if we're willing to be honest about ourselves. God, I don't feel your presence anymore. When was the last time you confessed? I'm not sure there is a God anymore. When's the last time you pressed into his presence through confession? Remember James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace and favor to who? Oh, to the humble, yeah. And number five, some prayers must be prayed for you. That's why I'm so grateful we have a prayer team here at LFC. After every service, there's people that usually stand under this cross or right over here and will pray with you and for you. We also have a, an email prayer team, and any of you can join that. Just go by guest services today, say, put me on the email team. Uh, give them your email, and every Tuesday, we take all the requests that come in from the church on the slips, the communication slips, and also online. We have a little request thing on our website. And people request, we get requests from all over the world. I think somebody in time of need Googles churches with prayer requests tab. Click here, and, and people request stuff. And oftentimes it's a first name. And if it's confidential, we keep that among the staff. We don't send it out. But most of the needs are not confidential. And we just share the, the name of the person uh, who writes it there or, or, or not. But after every service, you can receive prayer. By the way, if you like to pray with people, join our prayer team. 
Uh, Dave and, and Laurel Barcelona do a great job running the team. They'll encourage you. They'll give you some training. And I always want to be known as a church where people can be prayed for. They don't have to wait till a special night of prayer or healing. Hey, we got prayer going on after every service. And sometimes nobody comes, and sometimes lots of people come, and sometimes we can't lock the church up after third service because there's people in here praying. I think that's great. We can wait longer to eat our tuna fish sandwich. We can wait. Yeah. So he says, pray for each other, verse 16, that you may be, come on, you may be healed. So because some aren't healed, we should still pray because some will be healed. Yeah. James 5.14, is anyone sick among you? Let them call for the elders. Boy, that little girl did. That little girl did. Now she's a mama doing just fine. Let them call for the elders of the church and they, they will pray. When we underestimate prayer, we underestimate God who could do more than you could ask or even imagine. So as we finish, how's your prayer life? How often do you pray? Married couples, how often do you pray together? I had a man one time say to me, I'm embarrassed to pray with my wife. What? Sir, you ever run around in your chonies? He said, all the time. I said, with your shirt off? Yeah. And you're embarrassed to pray with your wife? <laughs> I said, you go home today. And you grab her hand and you say, honey, let's pray together. Well, what would I say? Well, you thank God for her first. Then you pray for his will to be done through your lives. You pray that you be a better husband, better follower of Christ. Come on. Your wife will think revival has broken out. Oh, by the way, he did that? Guys, guys, he did that, made a world of difference in his marriage. And every night before they went to sleep, every night, he grabbed her hand. How can I pray for you? Is there anything I'm missing as a man? Any, anything I, I need to be? Yeah, she goes, go vacuum. Like, no. <laughs> Hey, just invite God into your situation. If you're single, invite God into your, your, your heart and your life. All of us should do that. Where you work. Somebody says, well, I can't pray. I work at a pub. Sure, you can pray. I go to city council meetings. I'm praying half the meeting. First, I'm praying to stay awake. The other half, I'm, <laughs> I'm praying for the leaders up there. Just watch, watch, watch. They think I'm paying attention. I'm praying. Well, I can't pray where I work. Sure you can. You can walk through the campus at your school. You can walk through Vandenberg. You can walk through the security squadron, the comm squadron. You can walk to the 14th Air Force. You can walk wherever you want. Just pray. Well, I work on a job site. Yeah. Oh, God. Bless, my, bless the guys today, gals that will work here. Keep us safe, Lord. And I'm just doing it out loud. Hey, help me be a light today among these. You go to the restaurant. By the way, do you know you can pray in a restaurant? Yeah. There's a waitress that tells me, there's a restaurant that we frequent. There's a race with, uh, waitress that tells me, I love when you come in here. Because I'm a good tipper. I'm a nice customer. No, here's what she says. 
I love when you come here because I know you're going to bow your head and pray with the person in the booth with you. I love that. I love that. And they always, you always go to pray when they bring the food. Have you noticed? Yeah. So after you order, just, just pray. It'll make a difference. Parents, pray with your kids. Pray over them. Even when they're sleeping, just pray over them. Uh, my, my son and daughter, uh, when I would come home and if they were already in bed, I would just go over there and put my hands on them. They'd be sound asleep. Lord, God, bless them. Keep them safe. Help me to be a good daddy to them. Help us to provide for them well. Help them to be filled with your Holy Spirit. And that just changes the vibe in your house, the energy. I was going to say karma, but no, forget that. Don't need that, okay? How's your prayer life? We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.